Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. What about, you know, and it's impressive that you as a church, and, and particularly uh, Pastor Joaquin as a pastor and a bishop, has his whole family doing this. There are tons of pastors whose family are separated from godly leadership. And creation is a family from Adam and, of course, the created is a family, but we seem to not follow what it says in Acts 17, 26, which I've read that and quoted to you many times. I greet you in the name of the Lord. Happy Resurrection Sunday. And this is a blessed church. You are a blessed people. Hallelujah. Ordained by God. And I just thank God for your birthday that's coming up here next week. And the fact that that's important to acknowledge. That God birthed his will through a people who said yes to him. And who has continued for 20 years in the yes. And that, that's truly important. I, I, to get to the bottom line, as far as this culture is concerned, I believe that the world is in disbelief about the resurrection. And I was thinking while I was sitting down there about the passage in Deuteronomy 8, which says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, you are what you eat. If you don't keep feeding the culture the words of God, how can they live by them? If we allow any other words to precede the creator himself and the words that he left for us and to us, then no wonder they have a new construct and a new script. It's as though this is some kind of like movie that is artificial, that man created. You are the creation of God. And I just asked my assistant to send me a statement that is being um, attributed to Mark Twain. But it's an important statement which I'm going to validate today by asking you to turn to uh, several of these passages which were quoted uh, in the Bible. But it's in, he makes the statement, the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. You see? Huge. So I trust uh, you understand that about yourself because I remember being here. My wife says, they don't remember this. She always tells me that. But I remember telling you this statement, and I even made a case of it as far as theologians are concerned, that you are sovereign. Sovereign, not in the sense that you created yourself, but sovereign in the sense that God was intentional about letting you be born into the human experience. That you are in the world, but you're not from it. That in the creation himself, you, meaning Adam himself, came from the eternal God made him visible and then spoke into Adam the words, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. So in, rea in reality, after Adam, every person born in the earth 
came from what God instituted in what you and I know as the birth right and the birth order. But again, if you read John 1, you still got to look at the point that God, everything that was made was made by him. Look, and particularly you, particularly you, that God intentionally brought you into the world. So that validates this point of Mark Twain that uh, it's an important day uh, that you came into this world and then the other day is finding out why. Now, I, I want to I have you turn and let me start out by asking you to turn to Matthew 26. And let's just go for it here. And I have, of course, so much stuff and to, that I want to share with you. And just, just, that's just the way it is. Again, I want to just say thank you um, for being so open with me. Thank you for the hunger. I said it to your pastor. I said it in front of some of the leaders who are, are actually from me, meaning some of them were born again in hearing this message. Some of them I know them. Some of them I don't. Some of them moved to where I am, uh, both where I was from in Richmond. Some moved to Atlanta when I did. 75 families, for example, moved to Atlanta when I got the word to move to Atlanta. Uh, that's what it is, but not because of my person, but because I was following a God said, and that's the creation. God told Adam who he was and what his assignment was. So I want you to keep this in mind, the entirety of my message, who you are and what your assignment is. Because one of the sad points is, if you don't recognize that God brought you into this world, and if you don't choose with a sense of conviction what you're doing as an assignment of the creator himself, then your life will not live up to the standard of the creator. And you won't be amazing to the created. I want to say, before, because you are from God, you're made to be amazing. And the disconnect is the Adamic fall. People think that they have to become something in the earth to be important. So like in the American construct, whatever is big is important. If you have a big church, if you have a big bank account, and that's not the word, they would say large. If, you know, one person gave me a card uh, a few months ago, and it's a, it's a business card, but it's, it's as, it was as large as this Bible, and he said, I have a big card because I live a big life. He didn't describe that life as being from God. He described it as in terms of what he does. And in this particular case, he was a motivational speaker, not a revelation speaker, but a motivation speaker. In other words, inspiration becomes the order of the day. I want to say too, that in the last couple of months, I've asked your pastor to come with me to some meetings of people who have agendas and they want to include me in their agenda. So you know what? He's been saying, and he, he's brought this out. And he keeps the memory of it. He says, in five years, I've been telling the bishop, let me in on some of those meetings with these people so I can, you know, go ahead and uh, 
give them the information they need as from my perspective. And I will say that while you aren't there, that the way he is with you, he also is with others. That no matter what their station, this particular person he was talking to in the first meeting was the president of a university that's in 37 countries. And the second one was the people that helped to get Liberty University's online school to 100,000. So these were not nonsense people, but his contribution still was exceptional. Without him being there, there would have been a hole in the discussion points. And then I call him a killer. He had who unashamedly his armor bearer with him, Jose. And Jose said, well, wait a minute, I have something to say. And it was a killer contribution. I'm talking about the devil was trembling at the contribution he made. So it was at the level of his experience and his insight applied to the circumstance. And so that no matter what your station is, where you're working, it's not the fullness of who you are. That you may be doing something that God has you doing, but it doesn't mean you couldn't do a lot more. And whatever your title is, is not all inclusive to your ability nor potential. Why? You are of God. And in that, nothing in the earth, no terminology, no definition can define you fully. Because the words haven't been created yet. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them who love him. And so as you love God and as you give your life to God, the sum of the entire earth cannot define what you're becoming. There's something in the next world which we now call the resurrection of Christ is the validation of your future. And while we celebrate the day, you may not understand that that's about you. God is the eternal God. He's the self-existing one. He is the I am. He always existed. The fact of the resurrection has to do with Adam's fall and Jesus making good on it. But if he had never fallen, you would be an eternal being both in the creative order and in the physical being that you are. I want to say to you, going all the way to the bottom line of what my contribution is going to be today, is that you're going to live forever. You're just being trained right now for the forever realm. Jesus came and not only made a way that we could be redeemed, but to show us our amazing potential. Certainly, you don't have to die for anybody to be able to make them be able to have salvation. But you live a lifestyle where your life is an example for someone to observe and to follow. Take it all the way out. It's the next world that you need to understand about your life. If you fail in this life, you don't get another chance. This is it. So it's not a joke. What he says all the time, uh, we're not playing around. We're serious. He says time is not recoverable. He's, all, he's always 
talking like that. But he's exactly right. So why waste it with worldly pursuits or human affirmation? Why not get the affirmation of God? You came from him. Why not get the power of the Holy Spirit working for you? That's why he's still here. Why not give the angels something to do? That's who they live for. Are they not ministering spirits? Sent for them who are heirs of salvation. You are amazing. I'm not hyping you. I just validate it by scripture who you are. You're really very important. To whom? To God. The world don't see you. It's their blindness. Don't be blind with them. If they don't affirm you, they're the ones that are missing out. If they don't understand that God gave you something to do to contribute to the world, it's their lack of knowledge about God and you. You're not to have that. You're to walk in the will of God and be a visible manifestation of the intent of God in the earth. The disconnect that you have with God is not a permanent state. That's the reason for, I've said in the church, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, look, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the work of the will of God. You're being perfected for something that's not just in the time and space of the earth, but forever. You're being trained for an forever life. The trick of the devil is to make you think life is all about this world. It's a trick. Life is all about forever because you are going to live forever. The only issue is where. All right? Okay, you found Matthew 26 yet? Here we are. And I'm reading this out of the New Living Translation, I, even though I have the King James. So if you, you mess with me, I'm taking the King James out, and it's much longer. And, but I have it right here for you. So it says in verse 47, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Now, you, you almost have to circle that. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. Look, they had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, look at this now. Judas. So now his description is changed from one of the 12 to now a traitor. So he not only he has the same name, but different definitions of purpose. Look at that in the same passage. Look, but the traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greetings, rabbi, he claimed, and gave him, in the living version, I like it, the kiss. And Father, I pray right now that not a single person under the sound of my voice would set out their birthright and purpose. And I'm asking, Lord, that you keep them from falling and then do what you said the potential is and present them faultless before the presence of your glory. I'm asking that you would take any heart that don't see that as your purpose and change it. 
I'm asking you, Lord, in your amazement, transform us. Don't just revive us, Lord, in a meeting, but transform us for forever. And whatever you do in them, whatever you do through them, Lord, we want you to have the glory. We still yet cancel all the assignments of the devil against them. May they fulfill all your will. And to God be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people of God said, Judas, you sold your birthright for 30 pieces of silver. You sold your birthright. Again, as we go back to just that statement that Mark Twain made, understanding the reason why you were born. It was important because I just prayed for one of my relatives just the other day, they, numbers of them came to help pack up 40 years of accumulation that was in my basement. And they wanted to help me get rid of some of that stuff. And I admit, there was some invaluable stuff for this world, not, not for the next one. But actually, it broke down to one point. I ended up talking with one of my nieces, and I knew who had been married now for few years and I said are you going to have children and she says oh we'd love to have children but we we haven't been able to we tried we've tried everything in vitro so that means they spent money and all this and I understood at that moment and I said it to her that's why you're here you're really not here to straighten out my basement you're here so I could pray the prayer of conception over you because I will say to you this has been my experience God didn't speak that to me but the ability to take people who haven't been able to have children and pray over them and conception happens because that's the order of creation and it's the vision be fruitful multiply replenish the earth this young girl was saved and she's my niece I didn't know that and as a matter of fact, probably one of the issues was, um, like I've said about a number of my relatives, they've never read my books. They even went to a church of a bishop that I consecrated a bishop. And yet they've never read my books. The thing that got their pastor going, who was a bishop, and started his own communion of churches. He said he has thousands of churches. And you go to that church, and I'm that person's father, and you never read one of my books? Nope. Doesn't offend me. It's just God has to give you eyes to see, and you have to have a heart for it. See? But that moment was created by God. I, this just happened a few days ago. So they have to go back home and do the work. Okay? So, but after that, I'm looking for her to call me. Shouting the victory. Now, a number of occasions that this has happened. So this is not just some kind of ideal. This has happened numbers of times with me. And, 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 and a number of times they had the kid and the kid was like eight months old, born already. And then by some chance they came back and let me know because they, weren't, they didn't have to be in my church. See, I saw one case, this little kid was just being, they had one kid 
but the kid was being bad in the grocery store. And I happened to know the people, and this was a professional athlete, and I said, well, where is that kid's little mate? It was a little sister. It was a little boy. So we've tried. We just could have the one and all. And I knew just right then that was the moment. Prayed for him, had the kid, and finally I discovered eight months later, I wanted to come back and show you the kid that the bishop prayed for. And yes, exactly. See, there is a side of you that relates to God only. God is a resource God. He's on the supply side. One of the reasons, uh, points that Bishop makes right here, um, you probably aren't used to calling him that, but that's all right. I'm just, I'm just, what, I, it's just what it is with me is that you have no business being old and not have resources. Well, the point is that God's on the resource side. So if I never paid attention to it, and never made it a priority, and I never created an economic stream for it, then God would have to himself create it and do all the work that he's ordained that I should do. You see? So I understand. I understood, and I understand. And so, but he, that the fact that he's paying attention to it, really more than a lot of my other bishops, they didn't pay attention to it. They just feel like, well, hey, this is in the tradition that I've come from. God, you keep him humble, and we'll keep him poor. That's, that's the lazy, lovers of them think. They think it's all right for a pastor or a bishop to be poor, but not them. So that's okay. Never bothered me because my goal was understanding the reason you were born, you see that, and fulfilling the destiny of that, not dying short of the glory. Now, let me just go to it right now again. This guy sold his birthright, but I would guarantee you that almost Everything you're hearing on the news, whether it's in the political community, the business community, whether you're dealing with the Facebook founders or the business people that control Wall Street, they're probably in the same shape because this America, the, the Christian ethic, the, the Puritan ethic, the founding of this nation, they know about that. They know about why we broke away from England and formed this nation. They know about those first colonial documents. But yet, they're down there acting like they don't know God at all. And yet, when you look at the bills, the dollar bill, now they want to change the $20 bill to um, Harriet Tubman. I think that's the discussion. I think Obama uh, brought that point up to the woman is in heaven and she's born again. She don't care. So, so and look, and all, let me just solve this. So over the issues of whether or not uh, white Americans have been racist, of course, of course. But the issue isn't race. The issue is respect of persons. With God, there is no respect of persons. But we got a history of that since the creation in reality. But let's just face it. There's no respect of persons, but God does choose the priority of the birth order. Don't shout me down. Now, I'm really preaching good right now, so I'm just, I'm just saying. So God decided to make the man first and then make the woman after that. God decided to choose the Jewish, the fewest people. Read Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 8, and make them the greatest. He said, you were the fewest people on earth. I chose to make you great. God chose that. You see, and on and on. So when you start dealing with God's choices and you think you can see high enough to be able to decide whether or not God is doing things right or not, your arms are way too short.
to be boxing with God. You got to go back with that and then plead with him, give you understanding, but don't decree you're more righteous. And that's what you have in the construct. Those people, my daughter said something to me just the other day. She says, Dad, we got to stop talking to the fool in people and begin talking to the king in them. Because the Bible says as far as Christians is concerned, there are some Christians that are doing nonsense and we are repeating their nonsense. Well, you got to also declare their potential because the Bible says we're kings and priests together with him. Talk to the king in them. Like some of you may not be used to saying to somebody saying to you, you are the creation of God and you are ordained of God to be alive and you are sovereign. There's something from God about you that is amazing. That's clearly the Bible. So here, Judas sold his birth, his reason for creation, and his purpose for creation. I mean, he sold the fact that he was created by God, chosen to be a disciple, and the destiny that God had for his life. And, but it was on a word. Look at this. Let's go now. I better examine because this is, not the, this is the everlasting gospel, but I don't need to take forever to do it. Okay? So... <laughs> So, so look at this. So he, it says in verse 47, the last phrase, they had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. So this guy took a word from the leading priests to come against the creator of the priests. <laughs> hey, you, what are you nonsense, dude? You never met a man like this. In every place that you saw Jesus operate, the word was, and they greatly wondered at his word. Never a man spake like this. The great fear that came upon them when he stopped the storms and when he cast out devils and you're going to listen to priests that come against that person? The antitype of the type that everything that happened in the Old Testament was a figure of what he was the accumulation of? You're around the creator, non-knucklehead. Sorry, he's exactly that. He was a knucklehead. And so here it is. He sold his birthright for what here, look, straight to Jesus, it says in verse 49. Jesus, Judas came straight to Jesus and he claimed and he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. This was the wrong type of kiss. This was the kiss of disfellowship. This was the kiss of the failure of the destiny. This was the kiss of the let down, the creative order, the host. This was the kiss of the person that had to be replaced. And his bishoprics shall another man take. He abdicated from the bishoprics. And so, even the man that replaced him, see, watch this, did not become someone of infamy. And they, through lottery, chosen, not by the revelation of God, but by lottery, never could replace the destiny of Judas. Listen, your destiny can never really be replaced because there's only one of you. There's no one now alive like you. And if God created someone else, sure, maybe can do what you can do, maybe can do it better, but that's not you. Because God made you of this special type, of this special race, in this special time. Under these, in these special circumstances. This morning, I just heard something that was pretty sad. And it was about 
what blacks are considering about the, uh, the vaccine. And that's a misnomer. It's not a vaccine. It's an experimental vaccine. Anybody who knows science knows that it takes at least nine to 10 years to validate. Well, there's the doctor right there, the validation of the vaccine. So look, so look, so the, the, the one party came to the president of, the S, of HBCUs, historically black college universities, and asked them, the presidents, if you will encourage your students to take the experimental vaccine, we will pay your university a million dollars. Numbers of them are doing it. So haven't you heard of Tuskegee? Why did you go to the white universities and ask them to do the same? So why are you going to the historically black college campuses and paying those presidents the money? Why? Because of the idea that I've talked with you about of the devaluation of the creation of God. See, see. What do you mean? Because these people's lives can become a test life. Well, what's happening now in Israel right now is that the nation is beginning to feel through Netanyahu, I met him, that now they're being tested with the vaccine as well and being required, and you understand, to take it. And now they have this, this kind of gadget that you put over your wrist or you wear on your ankle as proof that you take it. And in certain places, you can't go to. And so the, the people raising up against it, why are you using us? In other words, it's still now, this is what they're, they're beginning to feel, that there's the devaluation of that culture. Again, so they're feeling the Holocaust because they're being pressured not by law made to do it. It'll just be certain things that you won't be allowed to do if you can't validate it. Because now you're becoming a human carrier of something that's going to kill people. Well, 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 why do you think so much of your life and God hasn't revealed to you the reason he made you? So you mean your life have value without God? That's the fool in you. Because you don't understand the Mark Twain statement that you came from God and you're being kept by God? Now, this is the point of all these things that we're dealing with right now. I, I have said this now, at my age, which you guys know, I said, if I get it because I haven't stopped anything and your doctor has examined my, my wife, she's the precondition in the way that you think it. I've been all over the United States since that thing has happened and I've preached to all kinds of people and let's say, well, well, what about it? What, what if you get it? Well, you mean if I get it, obeying the Great Commission mandate, obeying the call of God on my life as a bishop, as an apostle, helping people with the eternal word, living the lifestyle that you can follow as whether you see me in private or public. You're saying, what if I get it and die? Well, isn't that martyrdom? Am I not dying in the will of God? Isn't that a great way to die? So I'm here going to church. I get it going to church. Or I'm here praying for somebody. Or I'm here going to, because why? I know that a molecule in your mass isn't helping that molecule. You're in the six feet distance. All you got to do is to tell, just get six feet from somebody smoking. And watch which way the wind is blowing. It'll smell like they're right beside you. So what happens if they're not smoking? Do your breath get to them too then? You better quit it. 
You better understand that God himself is keeping you and he's keeping you for his reasons. You can't come up with a reason without God good enough for you to stay alive. But if you go to God, you can not only have a reason to bring to God to keep you alive. Lord, thank you you've made me. Lord, thank you you're keeping me and I found your will. I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm a disciple. I'm a disciplined one. I live for you day by day. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't just eat the physical food. I eat the food of revelation every day. Now, Lord, with me carrying the revelation of your word, give me now this, the potential of helping people become what you've put in me. Help me to give that out. Through your life, people are born again, born from above. You mean people can come alive by you? Exactly. Because if they don't meet you, carrying the substance of revelation, there's something that will never happen in their lives. Because in many instances, there are people you know, your parents don't know you know. There are people you have met, your parents don't know you met them. But why? You can't maybe even tell your parents all the people you know, or all the people you've met, or the experiences you have. But one thing good about that is that the people whose lives you impact that you don't even know the level of that impact. You could have just made a couple of statements about the Lord. Said, no, I'm not doing that. I love God too much to do that. And it convicted somebody from within. You haven't seen those people in years. But guess what? They took your words, went out, won somebody to the Lord, became a dedicated Christian, and you have a whole company, watch this, of spiritual children from a word you gave to somebody that you can't even claim as your own but it's being recorded in the book of heaven where you can never brag about it, you can never talk about it, but it's recorded in the book of life and you'll get rewards for it in the next world. Why? Because privately, you still stood up for the reality of God in you. I thank God quite often for not telling me the impact I've made to the people I've made it to. The ones I see, okay, yes. But what they do with what I say, what they do with what they've observed from me, I don't know that. Nor do you. Because God himself is the one that takes his word and spreads it through you. Dedication is not seasonal. Dedication is the life you live at. Holiness unto the Lord. I, say, I saw that under spring of life because that's the lifestyle. So I'm telling you right now, which it looks like I should start towards ending or whatever. I'm telling you right now <laughs> that you are a holy people. You are influencers and that heaven itself is watching you. And it's a good thing. I, I want to, I'll, I'll take this up the next service. I have to take it up in another language with an interpreter. But I have to get this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I can go there. If I, if I tell you that Matthew 20, what is it? 26, 20, 35. Uh, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word do endures forever. And that's the word in you and endures forever. So fill yourself full of it. Live by it. Get a chance to operate in it. It's just practice. 
for the whole next world. You are an eternal being. So eat that food. Eat your food. Eat the meat. Look, so the Bible is talked about milk, sincere milk, bread, meat, strong meat. So you can increase that. And increasing from milk, sincere milk, bread, meat, strong meat is also babes, little children. Look, young men, adults, fathers. Look at the progression in your life. Keep feeding yourself. At a certain age, even your children have to learn how to use a fork and a spoon. There has to be a time where, yes, you go to church, yes, your pastor and bishop feeds you the word, but you have to understand that you're on a feeding program and God expects you to also be in the word. I carry this book with me right now, and you've heard me talk to you about it. It's a read-through, and I read through this book, and clearly, I finished March. I'm way into April, but actually, I finished from August all the way through the end of it for this year already. I'm already like nine months of the year already done, but shouldn't that be expected? I'm a bishop. You think I just selectively just read like four chapters a day? I'm supposed to be somebody that's going for God hard, and I just read like every now and then? No, I said, no way. I found this world of the eternal to be too real for me to just every now and then eat little snacks. Now, if you want to lose weight, snack five times a day, but don't eat nonsense and drink 100 ounces of water. You can lose it, you see? And I found that's worked. That'll work for the physical body. It doesn't work for God. We don't, we don't snack with God. We eat. Okay? And you eat it as strong. So this particular pastor, I got to say to you, he is not giving you milk. Why? Because the expectation is great. Let me make this final statement with you. What the Lord says to you, read the red, is expected of you. If you read the red, you got to know the expectation is great. But God says, watch this, I sent the Holy Spirit to help you. In other words, he doesn't expect you to do anything he doesn't help you to accomplish. But this goal that you have for yourself, for yourself, you want to be whatever, an actor, an important businessman, a big company, well, you need to connect that with the destiny of God. And if you do connect it with the destiny of God, and the bottom line is going to be, watch, you putting the word out. Because the only thing, there's only two things that's going to last forever in the earth. That's you and the word. So the bottom line to businesses, the bottom line to acting, the bottom line to singers, it's all about the word. See? So when I talk to these young men, and I find that they're ecstatic over how big their company is or how many people are on their mailing list. I, I had a person, I'm going to say it now, this probably will go out, and it should go out, but Franklin Graham uh, makes the statement that if Jesus was here, he would encourage us to take the vaccine. I mean, you can read it. He may not have said it exactly like that, but what he did is he used the Good Samaritan as an example of Jesus having a heart for people. That's the wrong 
exegesis of the passage, Franklin. And then they ask, he says, well, he wouldn't get it because he's God. He became the son of man, though, tempted in all points like as we are. If you said he would encourage others to take it, then he would have taken it. But both your points are nonsense. And then one of my friends wrote me and said, well, he's the number three most uh, visited person on Facebook. You think I care? Do you think heaven cares? That's not the point. The point is all those people that come to visit him will see that nonsense he said in a wrong hermeneutic of scripture. If you're going to use the scripture, use it right. And those people around him, stop being yes people. And tell him that was a wrong passage to use for Jesus talking about taking the experimental. He said, I took it. I don't care if you took it. Jake took it. I don't care if you took it either. <laughs> what about you, Bishop? You take it? No nah, way. These people are nonsense. I'm not doing that. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what it's going to do. They don't know. Well, they don't even know. They're still arguing. You can look at this. They're still arguing as to whether it came from a test room or not. They're now, well, I thought you guys knew. Didn't you tell us? I thought, you mean you're still trying to find that out? Yeah. Why? Because you nonsense. Not following nonsense. I'd rather follow the word. I'd rather die following the word than to live following you because there's no redemptive value in following you. Even if I live long following you, you're not the one that judges me ultimately. Whoever is going to judge me ultimately is who I should submit to presently. My Father, thank you and bless you so much for the people of God. These are the ones. I love these people. And I know you love them way, way more. <laughs> you love these people. And Lord, I thank you for their openness to truth. And I thank you for their having a bishop here. That where, while I'm in my 70s and here he's just low 50s, he's the future. Thank you that we can be encouraged about the future. Because we have somebody in the present, way younger, that's putting out the truth without compromise, standing flat-footed. Perhaps you need to repent today. It's Resurrection Sunday, and the life of God is the ability to be born from above. So if you're not saved, can't you say, I'm sorry? Repentance is a gift. You mean you, you don't believe in the resurrection? It means the grace of God is not available for you right now. But if in your heart you are doubted whether he's resurrected, then, then rebuke, refuse the doubt and accept what I've just taught, taught you right there. And the passages that were given in the earlier uh, play uh, that was real, that was real when those people sang and gave you the scriptures and then the, the elders who read the scriptures. Look at that. Aren't you ready to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior right now? God granted is my prayer around the world. Thank you that this location is a destination location that men and women of God from around the world will not just visit the site, they'll come to this leadership. And to God be the glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. All the people said, amen. amen. God bless. Hallelujah. Thank you, Bishop Wellington Boone. John 10.10 10 becomes our passage for the last year. We've read it almost every Sunday. 
the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And it's not talking about living breath. It's talking about the life of God. And that's what we're upon the earth to grow in. That is the life that we should mature in. There's all manner of men that are chasing the promises of this earth and forfeiting the benefits of the life of God. And I just pray that this would be a fountain spring. That's what we call our church, spring of life. People come in here and they receive something called Zoe, the life of God. And it'll change your perspective and your pursuit and your priorities. Father, thank you for this day you've made. We rejoice. We celebrate. Thank you for coming back from the dead. Thank you for filling us with the same spirit that was in Christ that raised him from the dead. That we ought also raise up to a new life in Christ. We pray your blessing, Father God, upon this church, upon the families, Lord, upon the ministry. I pray, Father God, that you continue to allow us to attain and capture the vision you gave us 24 years ago. Father, we pray, Father God, in the coming days, the announcements that are made from this pulpit would glorify and cause us to celebrate you. Father, I ask especially for the Wallenberg family. This, this uh, for Good Friday morning, Walter Wallenberg went to eternity, and he passed from this life to the next, Lord. And I was able to be with his wife and his daughters and his mom. And we just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would comfort this family, embrace them during this time, that you fill their void, Father God, with a great expression of your faithfulness and your promise. We pray that you would be glorified in the time we have that remains here upon the earth, Lord, that we would dedicate it to you, Father God, for your glory, that we not live unto ourselves and that we not live for carnal, earthly, temporal pursuit. We pray that you be glorified in our lives and we celebrate this life. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. We'll be back at 12 noon, 12 p.m. where's our Spanish service. Obviously, Spanish service will be translated. Um, Bishop Boone will be ministering uh, the second part of his message this morning. And uh, we continue to have an expectation from the Lord. So God bless you. See you also on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to make a move towards opening up Monday night men's group here at the church. So uh, you guys that are able to come tomorrow night at 8 o'clock from 8 to 9, we'll have men's ministry here at Spring of Life Fellowship. Not live stream, not Zoom, but real time. And here in the physical presence, come to the house of God, Monday, 8 o'clock, 8 to 9, men's ministry, uh, and we're going to continue to resume our groups as we did last year. God bless you. We love you. Take care. <laughs>